0: Love Talk Radio I have an emergency. What is your location? Amen. Indeed, there is. Hey, let's pray. Father God, thank you for getting us on the air today, Lord God. We thank you for defeating our enemy. Lord God, thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we're here to do your will. We're here to be uh, brought up in the, the nurture, the following, the admonition of the Lord. And so we ask for giving us eyes today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the revelation of your love, your truth. Your protection, I mean it, Lord, your love, your rest, that all is well with our soul. It is well with our soul. And as we uh, examine your word today, your heart in this matter of rest, there is a rest to the believer that you would give us that rest, Father God, because we are uh, afflicted, many uh, fretting, um, worrisome on every hand. And so today, Lord God, we declare your word back to you that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken by the evil one, or attempt to delay, hinder, harm, uh, uh, or bring us to, to naught or shame will prevail. For you are the Lord God. And you said in your word, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So, Father, we pray for each one who's listening, who will be listening, that you'll bless them today and as they listen with a deep and holy and profound revelation of your love and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning, honey.
1: Well, good morning. Well, there's a war for our souls, and there's a war to, just to get on the air today.
0: Yeah, well, what do you expect? What do you expect? The <laughs> on devil
1: the air sh- or on the wire or whatever we're on You here. know,
0: the devil is just, he's just always trying to do something, and you know, that's just his job, so we don't. Get too excited about it. We did pray through it, and God got us here.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) Hey, we're talking
0: about a very interesting subject today, and um, in in the midst of this crazy, anxious world, I mean, if you if you listen to the news at all, I mean, even just you know watch the television as you walk through the room or something, you're going to see everybody's up uptight out there, excited, worried, nervous. Or on the other hand, they're trying to just ignore, avoid, and escape their life, their world because of the anxieties that are going on out there.
1: Well, there's so many troublesome things going on in our world, in our nation. You know, you get on the Internet, and if you get on even good, you get away from network uh, stuff, cable stuff, and get on to uh, these reputable people that are giving the news behind the news,
0: giving more of the truth. I know.
1: You know, and and still, it can be very, very oppressive. You have to almost limit yourself to... Uh, that's it. How much intake you get there? Well,
0: you know, and and you know that's one subject. Now we we talked about that subject. all so we're going to really talk about it because we're going to set it over on this on the side now, and we're going to talk about the internal rest, the rest that people are seeking, the peace. Uh, and I think everybody's looking for that utopia, that kind of place where I can just kick back, relax be okay some people think it's on a beach somewhere some people think it's in their lazy boy with their favorite you know foods around them watching their favorite whatever on TV but really the internal rest uh and the and the people being driven to find that rest have missed the point of the rest that already belongs to us as believers
1: well yes we have that available to us and and uh, with everything that's going on Uh, in us, around us, families, pressures, work pressures, and everything. Mm -hmm. God has a rest for us. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I want to read from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. These are the words of Jesus. He said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And uh, Hebrews chapter four verse nine talks about there remains therefore a rest for mm-hmm. the people of God. Mm-hmm. Now the rest, by definition, here means a cessation. Mm-hmm. It means, and it means a refreshment. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're ceasing from stress and striving. Mm-hmm. And and you come into a place uh in your heart, in mm-hmm. your spirit, in mm-hmm. your life of of rest and refreshment. Now that does not mean yet you get to be just lazy mm-hmm. and lethargic.
0: Well, I think we need to ask the questions of why would people if Jesus has already said, Come unto me, there's a rest for your souls and in the Bible is just filled with all the constant commands, admonitions, encouragements to fear not For I'm with you, fear not, I will never leave you. I will never leave you alone. I have not abandoned you. I have not left you orphans. All of these kinds of things that that God constantly comforts us with. And yet, what are the questions, think about it, that Satan could raise up inside, in in our souls, to create this debate, this uh, fear, this worry, this fretting? Um, What are the questions that he could raise up within the internal being of those who are already under um the salvation the promises of God the, the 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 word of God believing the word of God what are some of the questions that this enemy could raise that would cause people to fret and these might now you you know what people do what we do is we look for there's there's external problems and there's internal problems now external problems what would some of those be
1: well you know these are kind of it- E- external and internal, a lot of the is- external issues it's how we handle these external issues by what from base it's based on what's going on inside of us. Right, right. And so and what in what's inside of us affects our external circumstances, our external circumstances can affect what's on inside of us. And so so when when, when you talk about some of the the burdens that people have mm-hmm. uh, that, make
0: are, that make them
1: weary. That makes them weary. Uh they're under uh, exhausting loads of fear. Work. Uh, so fear, just, that's... Fear the, of Satan what? Is a fear fear, of, well, fear of what, what's going to happen. What's going to happen in the world? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my kids? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen at, um, Well, here's the deal.
0: Yeah, right. Fear. Fear is the opposite of love. Perfect love casts out fear, and fear has torment. So when people are afraid of, like, let's just do external for a minute. Okay, fine. You know, money, uh, friends, family, people lost, people bickering, people divorcing, people getting sick, people uh, not having enough money to pay their rent, people um, too tired, I mean, pressured at work, people uh, falsely accused at work, people losing um, their marriages, losing their reputations, being dogged around by every, you know, accusation from without. So fear, perfect love, cast that out. So when we're taking on those burdens of You know, making other people happy or making our world uh, controlling others so that we can be happy within or making, you know, whether it's a child trying to please a parent or uh, an adult trying to please uh, a mate or whatever. When you're trying to take on all these jobs that are not our job because we're afraid, the lie is if I don't do it, then what? Stress says if I don't do it, it's up to me. Why aren't you helping me? I'm mad because you're not helping me. So then we pull anger into the mix and burn up more energy.
1: Right, right. And and there are also, you know, disappointments. You know, mm-hmm. we, For we sure. thought something that was, we, we made efforts to accomplish something and it didn't work out the way we thought. So there's disappointments. And along with that can come, you know, frustrations, anger. We get mad yeah, about right. it. We get mad at ourselves. We get mad at other people. We get yeah. mad at God. And uh, this surely takes away, <laughs> disturbs our rest. Oh, Sure. And then you get into depression, well, which is like just exhaustion, and and, it, and it, you get into a place of lethargy and immobility. Per, but that's paralysis. not rest.
0: No, no, that's that's That's, like, that's death.
1: That's that's like death. But but
0: know. can we go back to one of the things you said there about disappointments and things uh, like disappointments. that? Disappointments. You know, I think a lot of the problems are that you know we try, which is from hell, we try to apply the word of God to our circumstances, and then we try to believe. Uh, or trust god we try to do all those things to believe to receive uh, a solution to our problem we we have a mind and an imagination we think well if god would just do this and this and this then it would all be taken care of and so we believe for that and then that doesn't happen and when that doesn't happen the way we believed for it we're set up the devil has really set us up for a disappointment which then goes back to reflect on God and his faithfulness, which then pulls the rug out from under us to trust him. I can't trust God because I believed him for, you know, a pony and he never gave me a pony. And I believed for, you know, and whatever. I'm mean, just using an example here. But you believe for how you want to see the thing resolved. And, and you think, you know, if I win the lottery or if, if so, whatever our imaginations are. And when God does not answer our prayer the way we think it should be answered, we fail to see that God has answered our prayer by sustaining us to the very point where we
1: are. Right, and He has a He has a purpose in that, even though He might say no, you know, deny what we think we want, because He understands mm-hmm. there's something better that He has that we don't see at mm-hmm. the time. So you know, there's a reason why God would say no, or why God would say, you know, yes, I'm going to answer this prayer. This is going to come, but it's not. This is not the right time. So there's well, I think, a whole there's a whole complex of uh, issues.
0: Well, I think there's a bigger, deeper dynamic than all of that. God saying yes, God saying no, God saying wait. I don't think it's really that simple, really. I I really believe that we have to put everything that we do, the air we breathe, the food we eat, the relationships we have, the words we think in our heads, all into the context of spiritual warfare. And if we do that, we have to go back to look at what God said in his word. And by the way, if you want to know the will of God, study the word of God, because that's where it is. It's It's all written in there. But if you look back at the, for example, the righteous man, Job. I mean, Job is a perfect book to read because he really he really tells us about the character of God. I, I really think the book of Job is not so much to help us get through because we've been beaten up, but to understand why we're beaten up and the the, the conversation that went on before uh, Job went into this crisis mode. And part of that was because the devil was, it's, God was blessing Job. He was saying, yes, Job, yes, 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 yes to the flocks, the, 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 the servants, yes, to the, the children, yes, to the health, safety, yes, 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 I love you, love you. And then what happened was, there was, uh, did you hear that, people? That was interesting. Um, Then what happened was the devil went before God, and he tried to um, provoke God. Actually, I think that's the word the Bible uses, provoke God to say no, to let Satan have a chance to test um, God's workmanship in Job. And so then um, God says, okay, but you cannot... Uh, touch his body. So God drew that line. Satan had to honor it. And he went to town. He went to work. He pulled out the whirlwind and tore down on the house and killed the kids and sent the bandits and stole his cattle and everything else. And so what happened was that Job got to sit there and wonder, what, wh- wh- why is God mad at me? What's, what did I do wrong? I mean, I've been so good. i mean so righteous. And, and then, you know, um, he didn't break. He didn't crack. and But that wasn't the end of the story. He sat there. He was You know, curse the day of his birth. Didn't know why he was. You know, all this stuff was happening, but Satan wasn't able to crack him or or cause Job to relinquish in his pursuit of God or righteousness. And that's what it's all about. Satan is trying to break our love affair. The go go between us and God in the love affair that God has with us.
1: So we're involved in this spiritual warfare that is just, and this this is not just a a a concept. uh, Just not some just. Idea that we have to uh, in, endure. It's not just a, a theological word or something we throw out there. It's it's a reality. It's a truth that's going on all the time. But how you know there is a rest that God has for us in the midst of the most intense warfare. It's like it's like how how can that be? How can we have the rest? Of God in the midst by of the most intense warfare that we face, um,
0: we can have that rest by knowing who God is. Hold on, once by knowing the by knowing who God is. God is faithful. God is good, and Job, in his deep heart, knew that God could be trusted. That God would work it out that there was a real, uh, he didn't know there was a, a, a challenge going on with God. He didn't know God had been challenged by Satan. And, but Job just knew, see, that's where the rest comes from, is in the midst of my trials and fiery trials and your trials and gear, carrying one another's burdens and whatever else we do, we have to know that God is good. And I think when we say ask questions like, "Well, why did why? Why did God say no? Why didn't God answer? Why didn't God give me that? Why did God let my child die?" Why? 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 That is not the Holy Spirit in you asking you to ask that question. The Holy Spirit is in us, but the enemy is in us wanting to stir up discord and debate, to challenge the goodness of God. A lot of what goes on in our our lives is for Satan to cause doubt and discord about the goodness of God. And that is where we become wearisome because then once Satan sets up in your mind that there is no, um, you're on your own, once that happens, what we got to do is then is take on the responsibility of taking care of ourselves, And that opens the door to a protector demon, to a, a strong man, a familiar spirit who comes in into your mind as as yourself as me and begins to talk to you in the first person to give you counsel and strategies and what not to provide and protect and carry on your life yourself and kind of leave God over on the side cuz nobody knows how to control God or what God's going to do next and so we can't trust that God is good and knows what he's doing
1: so the knowing of the knowing the goodness and faithfulness of God is really is like the bedrock that mm-hmm. that of, of our lives that 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 gives us that rest in the midst of uh, all these intense things that are going on around us and in us that are coming against us. There is a peace uh, that is that is with us uh, in the midst of all these things.
0: That's exactly right, and I think what and the, so really the external confusion is just. a a situational attempt on the enemy's part to disturb us within and get us to crash within and and to cry out within and to actually take the devil's solutions to our problems. In in, uh, James, it talks about um, uh, God and and the question of God tempting us. Does God tempt us? It says, God tempts no man, um, nor can he be tempted. He's not tempted, but he is provoked. And the enemy constantly challenges God, and he hates God; he hates what God has done in and through us. He hates the call God has placed upon us as His children made in His image. So Satan is really wanting to corrupt the image of God in us, and to do that, what he has to do is convince us to vote for him to vote to take the devil's solutions and and James says uh, in verse one fourteen chapter one, verse fourteen, but each one is tempted. When he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed and when the desire is conceived, has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Now here's the deal. So what Satan does is he tempts us. He sets up the external circumstances, the disappointments, the bad history of God's let me down, da, da, da. Then he comes along, Satan comes along with his own solution. You know, you're going to have to take care of yourself. You're going to have to make your own plans. He doesn't really say... X got out of it, but really that's what he's doing. Trust yourself, you know, believe in yourself. You get all these things out there. Oh, trust your heart, believe in yourself, da-da-da. And then what you do, the devil presents you with a solution in your thoughts, within your own mind and heart. And then you take that solution thinking, it's you thinking it, and there you go. You've just taken the devil's solution, come into an agreement with him, and conceived sin and death.
1: And so, really, now these these are along with the thoughts that you've shared here, some of the things that Satan can speak to us. Yeah. Okay. That might sound so good. And these are for the people that want to live right, want to yep. follow God.
0: To be and aware, I'm, huh? I'm just
1: going to give you a, a quick list here, and then you can comment on them. Okay. Uh, try harder. Mm-hmm. Get closer to God. Get the sin out of my life. Do it over. Mm-hmm get it right obey the rules
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's up to me yeah those those things oh my this sounds so good sounds so well it spiritual sounds spiritual like, and so pious yep. but it is so destructive to the rest that we would have in god i mean it makes right. the rest impossible because it's just it's it's striving, it's stress, it's like never enough. That's another one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not good thing. enough, never it's enough. It's like
1: my oh my. There's no possibility of if you're following those concepts. There's no possibility of you having that rest yeah. until you just come to the Lord. And
0: well, here's the thing: we well, until, until we come you. to the Lord. Actually, the truth is we are with the Lord. But these these are all the, the, the comments you made. It's up to me, etc. These are all implying they're making you're making when you say these things, you turn them over in your mind. You try to figure them out. You try to set up a solution to your problem. Uh, take responsibility for your own righteousness. Try to keep yourself safe. Do it over, etc. You know, all of these are implications. You're agreeing with implications that God has not got me. God has not finished the work. I still got stuff to do. It's up to me. And I know that when you follow, Jesus said, follow me in, in uh, Matthew 9, 9. When we follow, or was it Mark 9, 9? One of the two. He said it both places. If you were if you, to follow him, of course, there's an implication that you've got to do something. you got to walk. Right. You've got to get up. You've got to do your life. But the thing is, to follow him as a child would follow a father you know, on the way, knowing that he's following the father. The father knows where he's going. We're going to go here and here and here. Dad's got it. He's got the money to take care of it. He's got the, you know, he knows the plan that he's, you know, and I I trust my dad, he's good, and it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. So the following part, obviously, we've got to get up and follow. But when when the enemy disrupts our peace and our rest, he can agitate us, frighten us, uh, panic us, cause anxiety within us, to take on the challenges of life ourselves, and then we're we're toast, because the devil squashes us with fear, and he can just you know, because we're no match for the devil.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you know, the Lord has given us the great commission, you know, to go into all the world, make disciples, and so forth. And there's a lot of well, here he there's said, a lot of work connected with sure, that.
0: Sure, sure. Like in Matthew ten, where he says, preach the gospel, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. That's all work. That's all doing stuff. But that's not doing the stuff most people are doing today. Most people are not doing any of that stuff, or very little of that stuff, or they're doing what it what would look like that stuff, but it's really set up for a different motive and purpose, and, and probably to build some big
1: church somewhere or whatever. And so, the, really, there there may be some a lot of pesky details connected with healing the sick, raising the dead. Uh-huh. Cleansing the lepers, preaching the gospel. Uh, there, there's there are details to sometimes that have to be worked out to carry out the great to commission. Carry out mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but sometimes people get bogged down in the in the details or get distracted or frightened. From that and basically, right. when you know I can't heal anybody. Right. Jesus is the healer. Right. He, we're we're, we're if we get to the point where we're seeing that the truth that we are simply vessels, we are channels, we are branches in the true vine. Mm-hmm. you know. And so it, it's the life of Christ that comes through and does this. And that really, what does, what does that do? It takes the pressure off right. us.
0: Well, it's exactly, for example, you said pesky details. Like, for example, let's just say that somebody's getting ready to travel, and of course they've got, you know, travel plans to make, they've got to make their connections, they've got to get their visas and passports and da-da-da and whatever and schedules and airfare and all these things. These can be extremely, you know, burdensome. And uh, and the devil will obviously use any opportunity he can to create some, some issue. But if you know already that you're sent on this mission by the Most High God and you're a servant of the Most High in the Kingdom of God, the Kingdom of Heaven, and you're on an assignment... Then you can rest and say, you know, God, this isn't my problem. If you want me there, you're going to have to get me there. And I don't think that's sloppy and irresponsible at all. I think that's really faith. That's really, you know, abiding. Jesus, it's your problem.
1: Right, right. And and in those details, it's just Lord, you just, by his grace, you you know, you keep calm and say, yeah. okay, there's a little snag here and a little snag here. But, Lord, you're you're but, pressing through it.
0: But that's not that easy because at the moment of the snag, at the moment of it's the... It's frustrating. It's frustrating. It, it, you, what happens is we go back to the, the devil's pushing us back to those lies, those subconscious agreements with it's up to me, I've got to do it, you know, and then the, the irritations can create anger and why aren't you helping me, God, and, you know, I give up and all of these things for your life. I, and really seriously, those are questions that you do not need to entertain. It's like the the debates that come out of the soul that challenge what you know to be true in your spirit. And another one of those very irksome things that I've got to bring up, it's not just the externals, but internally people can be very um, uh, set up by the enemy, especially the people who want to do the will of God and know the voice of God and follow God. There's a book written 200 years ago by a gal named Jessie Penn Lewis, and it's a difficult book to read, and I've never read the whole thing, but one thing she did say that I did read in the book I didn't read the whole thing, was that in the last... The name of the book is War on the Saints. And one of the things that she said that was very striking and very prophetic was in the last days, the people who would be the most likely to be deceived would be the people who were the most hungry for God. And that's exactly what has happened. The hungriest little fish in 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 the lake is going the one that's near the fisherman is the one that's going to be the most first likely the first to get to, to get caught because they're hungry they're looking for lunch and in this scenario the people of God are looking for God they're looking for God which assumes it's an implication that you got to go find him somewhere
1: he's hiding somewhere
0: or you've got to, or that you don't really know the will of God i think there's so many sermons preached on knowing the will of God or knowing the voice of God. And they, they totally put the pressure back on us to discern the voice and the will of God. And most of us, I would say 99% of us, most of our lives are actually taking the counsel of uh, spiritual impersonators, demonic spirits, angels of light within our minds and our hearts, our souls that are impersonating us, giving us a fake counterfeit, Voice of God, uh, presence of God, um, will of God, and and we are misled and don't know it because we don't know the word of God.
1: The voice of God, you know, it goes back to what we talk about so much in John chapter 10, my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, say, a mother that is walking by the nursery and there's maybe 10 babies in there. She's at church walking by the nursery and uh, all of a sudden,
0: the baby's uh, crying. She knows there, her there's
1: baby. Maybe five babies crying. And she knows her baby. She but that, knows her baby's cry. She knows it. You didn't have to train the mother say, okay, now we're going to have a, a six week class on learning your your child's cry.
0: Here's the, here's the flip of that analogy, though the mother is God. God knows our voice, He knows our yes. cry. He mm-hmm. will always pick us out of a crowd. He knows yep. every heart, every tear. Every, but. I, as the baby in the nursery, also know one thing. My mom's coming. She knows me. She loves me. She's going to come and get me. That's why I'm crying. If I wouldn't, you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm letting her know she needs to come get me out of the nursery for whatever reason. And so when we cry out to God, God knows our voice. He says, My sheep know my voice, but He also knows us. I believe that a lot of times these counterfeit voices are some super spiritual, counterfeiting, lying, mesmerizing demons that are dressing up a a hook, baiting you to think that you're with God. And Jesus said, and I've got clients like this that struggle. You know, when I say to people, I say, well, well, what's the Lord doing? What's he saying? And they give me all kinds of information. I would never have time to do all this research. But there are people out there that they have looked into and followed and books that have been written uh, about the formula for um for you know knowing the will of God or knowing the voice of God or discerning the voices in your head if you have voices talking in your head i mean yes God has an audible voice and you probably you probably heard it or maybe will hear it maybe one to a half a dozen times in your lifetime that would be an audible voice most of the time it's a concept it's a sense of you know what God is wanting and and then you just know it it's a concept that you know you just know it and and it's not like you're hearing a voice or chatter or conversations in your head or demons who are playing your games in your head with you because you're listening, because you're you, they want to they get your attention. They want to trick you and deceive you into thinking, I've got to know the voice of God. Is this the voice of God? But Jesus said this. He said, by their fruits, you shall know them. And, you know, people are trying to do self-deliverance and cast out demons. and But here's what the Bible says. It says, take captive every thought. Make it subject to the obedience of Christ. And, that, and and he says in John, test the spirits." What that means is when you hear these things going in your head or you, you think these thoughts or you feel these feelings, you've got to just stop and say, wait a minute, who said that? Who are you? Because you also, you're the rightful Lord of the house, you and the Holy Spirit. And so you've got the Holy Spirit in there. And so by authority and by right, you can, you can check those others would be visiting or trespassing in your life and say who goes there
1: where are you from right and if you're hearing voices it's not because you're you're crazy, crazy. no you're losing your mind it's because you're normal because you're hearing because voices you hear you're hearing voices a
0: lot of people hear voices and so don't go get some don't go get some uh medications for because they call you a schizophrenic yeah if you have a question we'd love to have you talk to us today no nope? no questions today all right Okay. We're having a little technical difficulty, people, so you just okay, have to listen, yeah, keep your yeah. ears if you're on.
1: If you listening right now, pray you, for us. So push right through it. Yeah, but go ahead. you said, you said ahead. about, too, about the Lord. You know, his, uh, this might be an encouragement to someone that's listening right now. Psalm thirty four fifteen. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. He hears your cry. I just want to encourage you today, there's someone here listening right now. You just feel like you're desperate and you figure, man, you know, does God really hear me? And mm-hmm. he's you're crying out to him right now. He hears your cry. That's and right. Will, and he will he will answer. He's on the situation. He's taking care of it. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have trust. He doesn't want you to freak out over it. No. Just know in your heart. That he, he's, he sees the whole situation, his ears are open to the cry, he's on the case. Mm-hmm. He's well, on the case, he's taking care of it, so, um, so don't despair.
0: Well, you know, the thing is, knowing that we can know what we know has to go back to the very beginning, and this confidence of knowing, and, and then you can have the authority of knowing that we are created in the image of God to know the truth, to resonate with the truth, to recognize the truth. And that is done by his spirit bearing witness with our spirit. We have a spirit inside of us that got lit or the candle, it's called a candle in, in Proverbs, that got lit when we got saved. And so God's spirit reflects. He's hes using that light to guide us into all truth. And so, you yes, you can know stuff. Your mind says, no, 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 I can only think stuff. But your spirit can know that you know what you know. And so when you know that you know stuff, um, you can be more confident in the authority and you can deal with the demons inside of you knowing that you come from heaven. And that's what Jesus answered when they asked, well, where do you get your authority from? He says, well, I know where I'm, have co- come from. I know where I'm from. And of course he was, uh, you know, declaring that he'd come from the, the father. Now it's interesting that in, in knowing that the devil wants to always set up doubt. Jesus said, here's the, how you, here's the telltale test of whether this is a voice from heaven or not. Number one, d- does it, does it um, give you peace or does it hook you with guilt and condemnation? Like I could have, should have, it's my fault. You've got to do this and this and this or, or, or else that's not God. God does not threaten us. He doesn't, he, that his word is not a threat. People read his word uh, and it's written. The enemy has, uses half of God's word. The half that, that is about, you know, uh, justice, the half that is about, consequences. He uses that to make that who God is. But he is the one. There are demonic judgments, demonic life patterns that be- get set up in our lives because of listening to the lie. So if you listen to the liar, he gets to bring judgments and accusations, condemnations and consequences in our life. This is not what God wants. God is very merciful. Even the thief at the cross is a demonstration of that. Even for all his belligerent resistance, even in the beginning of his crucifixion, he was railing on jesus and then changed his heart and even at that point you see god was always for the man he wasn't saying well you know you've got 20 seconds left to breathe here and you think you're going to make up in 20 seconds what you've done against me in 20 years no way see this is our concept of god satan is trying to disrupt our concept of god and make him out to be a disinterested, uncaring, critical, harsh, judgmental. That's why you can't discern the voices in your head because you think God would be saying that. Jesus said, again, by their fruits you shall know them. You know, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everybody who casts out a devil, not everybody who preaches behind a pulpit, not everybody who can do a sign and lying wonder, none of them. Jesus said there's those guys who are going to be coming along who can cast out demons, heal the sick, but they're doing it by psychic powers and demonic uh, healings. Um, the spirits of demons, working magic, mystery, smoke and mirrors behind the scene. And because you don't know the word of God, you're swept up, swallowed up into this thing. But the problem is you don't check the fruit. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, are you walking with God and is there peace? Is there peace from the fear, the anxiety, or is there still anxiety and, and concern or fear or disconcerting thoughts? I mean, obviously the devil, will, he can try 24 hours a day to bring these discouraging thoughts. But what is the peace and the rest? It says there's a rest of the believer. So the two fruits of walking with Christ are peace and rest.
1: So there's a fulfillment of that, um, of, of the, the Fourth Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Um, Psalm or Exodus 23:12. it says six days. You shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female servant, and the stranger, may be refreshed. So, there there is the uh, the rest that mm-hmm. God has fulfilled through Jesus Christ.
0: The finished work. It, it, yeah,
1: it's a finished work on the on the cross. It is finished. It is complete. It is done. Paid in full,
0: right? Paid in full, but
1: paid see the thing. Full. Okay, l- can l- I l-
0: let can I just finish what you started? Go ahead, because <laughs> I, I got a good thought well, on what, what you I just was said. You to do. <laughs> no, I just got to say this, and then you can go on to the next thing. Um, so, so here we have the commandment, the fourth commandment, you know, to rest, because God wants us to be refreshed, and He wants us to be renewed, because He knows it's very stressful down here. So, what does Satan do? We see in the New Testament, Jesus is constantly this commandment basically is constantly thrown in his face. With you know, why are disciples uh, chewing, uh, slipping, uh, harvesting grain on the Sabbath because they're they're going through the grain fields just walking along, grabbing a little, a handful little of, snack, yeah, here and there. And he says, um, and so then and then they were they were going to uh, accuse him of healing on the Sabbath, uh, interpreting that as work. And Jesus says in Matthew twelve, you see how this. What God intended for a rest and refreshment, got the, perverted. through the law, through the, the in, inappropriate uh, carrying out of man's traditions and man's interpretation through the demons who helped help them, they got to the place where it was a sin for Jesus or anybody else to heal on the Sabbath. or But they could still pluck an oxen out of a pit on a sabbath or water a donkey now how double standard do we get here you can do something nice for a donkey that's falling in a pit but you cannot heal a human being who's been 18 20 30 40 how many years um burdened with sin and despair so the law had been totally the commandment had been totally taken out of context and jesus just slammed it bless his heart slammed it right back in their face when he said this he says um, have you not known what this means? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. If you would have known what this means, which implies they didn't. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying the Sabbath was um, made for us, not us for it, that we'd have to burden ourselves with doing certain very rigid, restricted, ritualistic behaviors on the sabbath to make god happy so he wouldn't get mad at us that is not the point the point is do you trust me enough to lay down your work on the seventh day and rest knowing that we'll be fine it's going to be fine i'll hold on to it for you i'll keep you safe and you don't have to but see they twisted that rest around to be something that was actually laborious it was so laborious to rest on the sabbath that they had a and, and so afraid that they might break some little trivial rule that God didn't have in his mind in the first place. And so they ended up judging one another, judging the Lord God himself, the creator of the commandment in the first place because of their misinterpretation. Now,
1: Well, well Jesus said, he said, uh, well, you mentioned about the sheep that falls into a pit. And he said, you guys, will, you, you lose, you know, a sheep that's, Falling in the pit, you'll go pick him out and rescue him. And how much more value is a man than a sheep? Matthew um, twelve twelve. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's again, it, it's just that you know how they got it all. all but constantly,
0: up. the word of God was being twisted yeah. to make it up to us.
1: But there's a principle there too of actually having physical rest.
0: Yeah, and you know, basically, that rest comes from a rest in your soul. So when you go back to what we were just talking about, there's a principle you said, the principle of rest. When we when we try to serve God through the vehicle or the means or method of the law, we are working. We are working to be good, working to uh, keep the, the everything in, in line. And the, but the law, sad enough to say, could not ever... Save them, the law was not given to save them. The law was given to preserve them there's a difference. it was to preserve them, keep their identity uh, together until this time when jesus was was would to be was to be born, and he would die on the cross, and he would then fulfill the law, complete the law, satisfy the law because the law actually said somebody's got to die. The law said an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth blood for blood. The law said until that blood is given. Uh, These these people are it's required of them. But God was saying through the blood of many thousands of lambs. He was saying it's coming. The blood is coming. This is the placeholder. This is the you know, I've not this will be done. And so when Jesus came to fulfill the law, the Ten Commandments became upgraded to thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the law itself was declared to be inadequate to save man, because if you continue to try to use the law as a means of salvation, you actually insult the cross, because you're saying, Jesus, you did what you did wasn't quite enough.
1: And you do not enter into the rest Jesus has.
0: And, and But the devil says, well, this, when you keep the law, you're following Jesus. That's not true. We're following Jesus when we follow the Holy Spirit.
1: Well, that was the big issue in the early church there. It's like, do you have to keep all the law? And you can't, nobody can keep all the law. So yeah, you, have, but, to, you yeah. have to do something totally impossible to continue in the grace of God.
0: And what you're doing isn't working. Right. So this is like
1: ridiculous. Yeah, so here, here's just how this is illustrated in Scripture, Marjorie. In the book of Hebrews, it was written mm-hmm. to instruct, warn, and encourage the persecuted and discouraged Jewish believers. Now, they had been under Judaism who were being, they were being tempted because of all the persecution, a lot of it was from from their Jews that were not believers yet to return to their pre-Christian ways,
0: so they wouldn't be persecuted anymore.
1: Right. So, so here in the warnings that come through all through the Book of Hebrews, they are they they uh, whoever wrote the Book of Hebrews, I know the Holy Spirit did, and some mm-hmm. people think it's the Apostle Paul. Some people think not sure who it is, but they are repeatedly warned not to be like Israel of old. Mm -hmm. So they say, okay, now look back. Let's learn something from history here. And most of the time, people don't learn anything from history. Mm -hmm. Uh, So here's what the the old Israelis did in the old covenant. They heard God's voice, yet they grieved God's heart. They Mm -hmm. erred in their hearts. They didn't know God's ways. They had an evil heart of unbelief. They departed from the living God. And they became hardened by this deceitfulness of sin and did not enter into his wrath.
0: Because they lost the true meaning and spirit of the law which God had given to them, which was they didn't understand um, that it was given for their pre- preservation, for their protection. And so they became weary. And actually in Isaiah, we see this all over, but I just see um, in Isaiah he says... Uh, Verse 29, uh, chapter 29, verse 9. Pause and wonder, blind you yourselves, and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that has been sealed up, which men deliver to one who is literate and says, read. So they're saying what they they lost it. They didn't get. They didn't understand. They weren't able to discern or hear, uh, or because a deep sleep, a spirit of stupor had come upon them. And why you say? Well, why would God do that? Well, that seems to be counterproductive to what He wants for us. Well, He was obligated to do it. In that the devil, when the when we listen to the devil, when we take the devil's advice, believe his lies, the devil presents that as evidence to God that we are. You know that the devil gets to speak into our lives that he gets to you know call for things call for and he calls for a stupor and a slumber to be put upon the people who did not understand and because God plays fair, he is obligated then to um well obligated God of course is going to fix everything in the end, and he is good and you know prove himself and stand behind his workmanship in us but at for the time being. The devil, you know, went, well, what you can say, go back to the beginning. Well, why did God give Adam and Eve in the garden hold the whole thing to the devil? Well, simply because Adam and Eve chose to open the door to the eating of the fruit, which God said, don't do that. But when they did that, that was not just a little bite of a piece of fruit. That was opening the whole thing up and turning it all over to the devil. You see what a big deal came from a little deal, from what they thought was just no big deal. It looks good. It'll make me wise. You know, what could happen? They didn't know what could happen. They'd never seen it before. But God knew from the very foundation of the world, from the, even before Adam and Eve. And I believe this may be an interesting answer to a difficult question that when when Lucifer rebelled in heaven, all of the cosmic order became disorder and chaos. And he was you know removed, kicked out of heaven. His position I, I think he still gets to go up and down and in and out a little bit where it's what part of heaven I'm not sure. But because he talked to God about Job, so we see that's going on. But so he was kicked out and so divine order, cosmic universal order was disrupted there was now corruption in God's beautiful things. And so I believe, I believe God's way of dealing with the devil and bringing divine, eternal, forever in the abyss uh, judgment upon Satan was through creating man. When he created Adam and Eve, we were like, uh, God intends for it to redeem us fully, completely restore us. But because The devil had to be judged and God had nothing he could judge him with because the devil hadn't done anything wrong except what he had done. And God has to have a case, a crime to to judge. And God couldn't take himself to court and say, well, I'm going to judge the devil because the devil's hurt me and messed up heaven. So God created Adam and Eve. And when he created Adam and Eve and put them innocent and vulnerable, very super unbelievably vulnerable, why would God make us so weak? So, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, we're weaker than they were. They were pretty intelligent, uh, very brilliant, actually, and strong, I'm sure, and lived a long time and had good health and da-da-da. But um, so we're little, you know, so, so Adam and Eve got tricked. God knew that was going to happen. He knew it, and why did he do it then? Why did he even make them? Because he wants divine order to be restored and justice and truth. And in the, in the midst of all of it, he gets a family out of it. He gets a loving uh, glorious uh opportunity to bless uh his children to have children to um uh create uh children made in his image it was it was a it was a you know uh, not really a risk but it, he was willing to to go through the hassle and so when adam and eve got crushed and tricked by satan now god has every right in the world to bring Satan, the judgment under one condition, and that condition is that we side with God, that we choose to believe peace, rest, and truth rather than the circumstances, the extenuating the, and the accusations made against God by the devil in our minds and hearts are relentless. If you think the enemy picks on you, you got nothing on God. He picks on God a million, billion, seven billion times, how many times a day in each person? The devil brings up a thought um, uh, uh, against God and against the human. You know, sometimes when we're judging ourselves, I'm no good, I'm stupid, I'm never going to make it, God's mad at me, blah, blah, blah. You're actually judging God because you are judging God's workmanship in you. You're judging that I'm not good, I'm not going to make it, God's mad at me, uh, I've got to do it myself. All of this, when you judge yourself, you are judging God. And that is not going to help you because you're voting then for the devil. And when you vote for the devil, that makes it difficult for God to judge the devil because you're saying, I agree with the devil, you know, that I'm no good, that God is no good, that that I've got to take care of myself. And so there are many who are siding with God. Many great, awesome martyrs, believers who have endured incredible hardships through through the duration of their life that have given God plenty of opportunity and crimes to judge and evidence to convict the devil forever and ever and throw him in the abyss. But in the process, you know, um, of this, we are in our fiery trials, but our trials are not about us. They're about God. They're about his faithfulness. And knowing that you know what you, know, you must know, he says in the last days, Daniel said, those who know their God would do exploits. And I know that a lot of us have heard a lot of biblical interpretations, regurgitating of all kinds of things about what the Bible says that it doesn't really say. Go back and read about Jesus. Read how Jesus handled the word, what Jesus did, what Jesus said. And and be strong. And then you can rest. You know, I mean, there are specifics we could talk about, like, you know, people waking up with terror and fear and anxiety and having nightmares and, and is this dream from God and and trying to figure out what God's doing, and you know, the more you try to figure out what God's doing in your life, the more you're falling into the trip trap of the devil. You know that, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out what God's already got figured out. Well, yeah, it's... and you're taking the devil's advice to figure out what God's doing. I don't think that's going to work.
1: Well, part of it is that is that when you when you when you don't understand circumstances stuff, you, you you trust. When you have that rest, there's a trust. We're built to trust. We're built. We're built to trust and to uh, know. There, There is a deep peace within us that comes from knowing Him. When you know His truth, His forgiveness, His righteousness, His love, there's a, there's a peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a... Excitement. There, a, Excitement. Yeah. It's like there's an undefinable sense of inner tranquility in the midst of spiritual battles.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. like everything's going to be okay. It's like, yeah.
1: It's like there was a... a a, a painting years ago that somebody came to a, a, a art museum, and the th- the name of the painting was "Peace," and 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 it was a large painting, and it was just uh, a painting of the of the coast along the ocean, and there were the rocks and the raging waves, and the wind was blowing, and things were flying through the air on this painting, and it's like the guy first looks at it and he says peace that's that's the wrong mm-hmm. name for this painting mm-hmm. but then the person that was with him said look closer mm-hmm. and in the midst of it there was underneath this little ledge there was a little bird tucked in that little ledge just just hanging out in there mm-hmm. and and that's really kind of like the way we are yeah. called to be amen uh, uh there's peace there's peace in the midst of uh disappointment suffering and right. and trust that there god has a plan has a purpose that's right uh, trust his word and not in our thoughts or feelings or circumstances mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and knowing that whether we live or die we are the lords and and the the big the big thing mm-hmm. is that uh this in this the sweet joy of that you're living in the presence of god all the time you don't have to go to a worship service and conjure up the presence of the lord He's with you always, even unto the end of the age. And then of course the big deal here is just really knowing his love. Well, you know And that that's that can be a very difficult thing for people to realize the love that they, he has well, for Well because
0: us. because they don't know the words. But yeah. going back to just to confirm what you're saying, you know that one of the favorite verses for a lot of people is Jeremiah uh, chapter chapter 29 um, verse 11 I think a lot of people have that there are plaques of that everywhere for I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart but you know why he said this in Jeremiah 29 God is telling Jeremiah you know what they're, they're at this point in the in Jeremiah they're they're going into exile they've lost their country they have become fugitives, they've become refugees, they've been carried away into Babylon, the kings have been killed, lost their their dynasty, so to speak, and the Lord God says um, that all who are carried away captive, whom I've caused to be carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon, he says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may increase there and not diminish and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it for it in its peace, you will have peace. So he's saying, I, I know what's going on. He says, don't stop living. Don't diminish. Keep going forward. Keep marrying, keep planting your apple trees, keep doing your things to bring forth peace, bless the city. I know they're your enemies, but I will bless and prosper and increase you in the midst of the enemy's camp. Um, So this is him able to advise Jeremiah on how to encourage the people. And we say, well, what's going to happen if we go into exile, if we become fugitives, if we become uh, enemies of the state, if we do this or that? In every place you go, seek the peace of that city, of that people, of that place, continue. Go forward, go forward, go forward. We do not retreat. Even in exile, even when they were going forward in exile, God said, go forward in peace. And so God was totally aware of their circumstances, and he was totally aware that he had already gone before them, and he was going to, because he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil. And so we go forward knowing that, God is going with us and before us and that we're not alone. And, yeah, yeah. go ahead. And,
1: uh, we have to look to this uh, rest, you know, that Hebrews talks about, There remains therefore, a rest for the people of God. For uh, That
0: includes uh, good sleep at night.
1: Oh, yeah. He gives his beloved sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Hebrews 4.10, for he who has entered his rest has also himself... Uh, ceased from his works as God did from His, and we. I think uh,
0: that means that we aren't trying to do things ourselves anymore, do things for ourselves, or doing things to preserve our life. When we, when God says go forward, buy you know, plant gardens, eat the fruit of it. Da 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 da. He's he's saying use the things, but you know, this is not your final resting place. This, you're not home yet. You know, you are still. We're still in transit. We're still. Um, on the sojourn, on the journey. And so to bring uh, that place of peace with us, carry the peace of God with us wherever we go, uh, knowing that all things work together for good, knowing that we're loved, and being anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's it. Being thankful. You know, I think, you know, can we be grateful today? What can you be grateful for today that reflects your peace the joy in your heart, the confidence in your heart, that no matter what's going on out there in the world, you know, whatever, you know, its all, most of it's rumors anyway. And most of it's, a, it's a, a plot to get you to be anxious. So, you know, what is what can you be grateful for today? What can you demonstrate a Thanksgiving, making our requests known with Thanksgiving? Can you be thankful today that you were able to have a hot shower instead of a cold shower or no shower? Can you be thankful today that you could put peanut butter on your toast instead of, dry bread or no bread? Can you be thankful today that, you know, your car started rather than it didn't start and now you've got to go get your starter fixed? Can mm-hmm. you be thankful today that, you know, you have breath to breathe and your lungs work well? You can both inhale and exhale. Can you be thankful today for just, yes, of course we can. Think and what's everything's appear here. Lovely, honest, just in a good report. And if there's, you know, you know that's what we want to, that's our energy spent well.
1: And we have to look at the character of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, "Take my yoke upon you, you know, and mm. learn uh, from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm-hmm. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Yeah, uh, I want to I want to just contrast a couple of teachers that I had in school first time I went to college. Okay. Yeah, uh, there was. Freshman English, okay? We had Mr. Howell who was harsh and oppressive. You would feel he was intimidating. You 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 sat in his class in fear and trembling because he was going to point you out, he's going to criticize you for something you did wrong. The next semester, the next quarter was Mr. Marsden. He was kind, he was gentle, I got better grades, I learned more. Because his yoke was easy. Mm-hmm. His burden was life. And so, that's
0: Jesus, isn't So it?
1: Jesus, the rest mm-hmm. Jesus gives us is freedom from endless self-efforts of trying to do things just right in order to please others, please yourself, and please God. It's not a day of rest, but a life of rest. Mm-hmm. It's not freedom from, from spiritual warfare, but rest in the battles. Yeah. And it's deliverance or freedom from fear, guilt, shame, depression, bitterness, and regret. Jesus has this for every one of us.
0: Jesus, he's got it. Amen. Well, we want to thank you all for listening today, and we're going to pray in a minute. But just before we do that, I want to make two quick announcements. For a lot of you, this you know goes this hour is helpful, and we're glad you can let us know if you want to. Uh, but also that you can go to the websites liferecovery dot com and get more information. There's the radio shows are there, uh, rescue radio shows are there, the blogs are there, and also the invitation to our newest or uh, next conference on the thirtieth. Saturday, the 30th of uh, January, and it's going to be at the Holiday Inn in Minneapolis, uh, Rogers area, Rogers uh, Holiday Inn, uh, 10 o'clock on Saturday, January 30th. It is free, open to the public, but you it's best that you register because right now it's getting um, close to, I think, overloaded, and that's good. And so we want to invite you to come and check out our stuff, the books. The websites, the blogs, there's so much and there's so much good stuff out there. Um the and the other thing we wanna we wanna do, oh yeah, there's also True Light Church. Jerry you wanna tell tell them quick about the website.
1: Yeah, True Light Church. Uh we we meet at the Holiday Inn in Rogers, uh, ten AM, uh every Sunday. So mm-hmm.
0: and that's the website is uh True Light L I G H T Church M N org if you want more info on that. And let's go with thank you, Jesus, for your super awesome goodness towards us. Give peace to each one who's listened. Take away the troubles of their heart. Show them the lies that they've been believing, the enemy they've been entertaining, and cause them, Lord, to take captive every thought by the power of your Holy Spirit and rest in the fact that it is finished and you've paid the debt in full. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.